At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hey everybody, I'm Zach. And I'm Jesse. You're watching Tesla Time News. Episode 380. On Now You Know. This is such a busy time of year. We are trying to do more, and most of you probably are too. Most of us turn to coffee or maybe an energy drink for an extra boost. But we decided to try Magic Mind, a two-ounce mantra-based productivity shot. So the nootropics inside keep you focused while the aptogens reduce your stress level. You get five to seven hours of sustained productivity without the anxiety and jitters over-caffeinated drinks give you. I feel more focused and alert since I started using Magic Mind. It's a real game changer. L-theanine is nature's time-released caffeine found in matcha. It helps increase focus and attention. Caffeine doesn't actually give you energy. It blocks the adenosine neuroreceptors in your brain, the neuroreceptors that tell you you're tired. And when the receptors unblock, one to three hours later, you experience the caffeine crash. The L-theanine in matcha prevents the full blocking of receptors, giving you sustainable energy without a crash. We can tell a difference since we started taking Magic Mind, and we think you will too. Plus, they have a 60-day money-back guarantee. If anyone doesn't like it, they will get a full refund, no questions asked. It's a morning ritual built for the creative work of the 21st century. Check out the link below and change the way that you fuel your day. Thanks to Magic Mind for sponsoring this episode. So in December 2020, the Federal Communications Commission, the FCC, as part of their Rural Digital Opportunity Fund, or RDOF, awarded $885.5 million to Starlink as a subsidy to provide rural broadband services in less populated parts of these 35 states. Okay, that makes sense. The U.S. wanted all of its citizens to have access to the Internet, and in many rural places, it's too expensive to install actual cables because the distances are so great for so few people. Right, so they put it out to bid, and Starlink won the contract. In the contract, it says that the winner of the contract must be able to provide download speeds of at least 100 megabits per second and upload speeds of at least 20 megabits per second to at least 40% of the 640,000 rural residences by December 31st of 2025. Okay, this all makes sense. Well, here's where it starts getting weird. You remember in August of 2021, President Biden hosted an EV summit where representatives from GM, Ford, and Stellantis were invited. Right, but Tesla wasn't. You did, Mary. You led. And it matters. Then on November 9th, 2022, President Biden was asked this. Mr. President, do you think Elon Musk is a threat to U.S. national security? And should the U.S. and with the tools you have investigate his joint acquisition of Twitter with foreign governments, which include the Saudis? <laughs> I think that Elon Musk's cooperation and or technical relationships with other countries is worthy of being looked at. Whether or not he is doing anything inappropriate, I'm not suggesting that. I'm suggesting that it works worth being looked at um, and uh, but that's all I'll say how? there's a lot of ways now did you catch that at the end when a reporter asked how and President Biden said there are a lot of ways <laughs> next time there'll be no next time so now the FCC has ruled that Starlink shouldn't get the 885.5 million dollars because of a speed test of Starlink done by the FCC last year Yoink. But you said the speed test wasn't going to be done until 2025, two years from now. Mm -hmm. And Starlink is already providing service to 500,000 people in rural areas, many that are not served by any other options. And just in case you thought this was all some kind of coincidence, Brendan Carr, commissioner of the FCC, posted last week, Last year, after Elon Musk acquired Twitter, President Biden gave federal agencies the green light to go after him. And they have. Today, the FCC adds itself to the growing list of federal agencies engaging in the regulatory harassment of Elon Musk. I dissent. So there are five FCC commissioners. The actual vote of who voted against Starlink getting the $885 million that was awarded in 2020 has not been revealed yet. But Brendan Carr's dissent letter says this. 
taking some excerpts out. First, the FCC revokes Starlink's $885 million award by making up an entirely new standard of review that no entity could ever pass, and then applying that novel standard to only one entity, Starlink. By reversing course, the FCC has chosen to vaporize that commitment and replace it with nothing. That's a decision to leave families waiting on the wrong side of the digital divide when we have the technology to get to high-speed service today. Third, the FCC's decision hits Americans in their pocketbooks. To the extent that the federal government ever makes another commitment to serve these rural communities, it will cost us orders of magnitude more money to do so. Extending high-speed fiber lines to these same areas will likely cost somewhere in the neighborhood of $3 billion. Time for Zach to have a little rant. If you've been watching Tesla Time News for a while, then you know that Elon has now been attacked by the Department of Justice because SpaceX didn't hire enough refugees, even though a rocket company can't hire people who aren't security cleared. Elon was targeted by the FAA, the FTC, the National Labor Relations Board, the U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of New York, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, and now the FCC. Elon's companies are regulated by hundreds of federal, state, and municipal agencies, and that's all fine. That's the way it should be. Companies have to operate within the law following regulations. But the DOJ attacking Elon because he built a glass house and the Fish and Wildlife Service delaying Starship for weeks and months because of bogus concerns about birds that may be impacted. And now the FCC voting to take away money that was already awarded Starlink to help rural families to get access to the internet. I'm tired of this. I'm embarrassed by this. We are not powerless. We have a voice. If you believe that this is wrong like I do, then speak up. Let your representatives and elected officials know that we don't appreciate corruption. We won't stand for it. Elon's companies are doing great things. We won't stand for our government singling him out. And so we might need to add the IRS and the Treasury Department to that list of federal agencies that are trying to screw with Elon. Tesla announced last Wednesday that the Model 3 rear-wheel drive and the long-range, the two least expensive Tesla models, will both no longer be eligible for the $7,500 federal tax credit starting January 1st, 2024. Well, hang on. We've been reporting that Tesla was saying that those models would lose half the credit because there were some materials in the batteries that were coming from China. Now you're saying they'll lose the entire $7,500 federal tax credit? I mean, why? These are the most American-made EVs out there. It's not clear. The IRS and the Treasury Department were tasked under the Inflation Reduction Act, passed by Congress and signed by President Biden, to be in charge of the details of the program. Now it seems they've issued new guidance to Tesla, saying that as of next year, these two models don't qualify anymore. Tesla's website just says, quote, based on our current view of new IRA guidance. And now Tesla is saying on the Model Y configurator page that, quote, customers who take delivery of a qualified new Tesla and meet all federal requirements are eligible for a tax credit of up to $7,500, reductions likely after December 31st. Wait, so Model Y might be losing the full credit too? It's not clear whether it's half the credit or all of it. I mean, I can understand losing half the credit, uh, 3750, because not enough of the battery materials would be coming from North American sites, just like other companies. But losing the entire credit? I just don't get it. Okay, well, here's an overview of the two halves of the tax credit, right? Remember, the first half of the tax credit worth 3750 is based on the sourcing of critical minerals used in the EV's battery. To qualify for this portion of the credit, at least 40% of the critical minerals in the battery must be extracted or processed in the United States or a country with which the United States has a free trade agreement. This percentage will increase gradually over time, reaching 80% by 2027. So what are the critical minerals? These are the critical minerals. There's antimony, chromium, cobalt, and beryllium, graphite, hafnium, and holium, and lithium, <laughs> uh, and lots of other ones. <laughs> and iodine, and thorium, and thulium, and thallium. Yeah, so those are all the minerals we know and love that are in um, batteries, right? Of obvious ones like lithium, graphite, um, nickel, those are all there. And so those are the minerals we're talking about. But the second half of the tax credit, also worth $3,750, is based on the sourcing and manufacturing of the battery components. Think putting all those cells into a pack. To qualify for this portion of the credit, at least 50% of the battery components must be manufactured or assembled in North America. This percentage will also increase over time, reaching 100% by 2029. And I mean, this is just, this is all 
super confusing. And what adds to that is that up until about a week ago, Tesla was saying something completely different. Yeah, some people are saying that this is some kind of ploy by Tesla to get customers to quickly pull the trigger on Model 3s and Model Ys, and that after the new year, Tesla will revise their understanding of the regulations. Or it could be that the IRS has changed their guidance to Tesla about some details of the program. Yeah, I mean, a lot of this is open to interpretation. Where did a part come from if some of its subparts came from another country, but it was assembled here in North America? Can you repeat the part of this stuff where you said all about the things? So what do you think? Will the $7,500 tax credit mysteriously come back early next year for Tesla? Or is this some kind of game that the IRS is playing? And if we're talking federal agencies that affect Tesla, let's not forget our favorite. You're, of course, referencing the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, or NHTSA, which issued a recall for about two million Tesla vehicles in the United States, campaign number 23V838 on Wednesday of last week. This recall affects certain Model S, Model X, Model 3, and Model Y vehicles equipped with the full self-driving feature. So NHTSA has been investigating this defect for about a year, and the recall was initiated due to concerns about the driver monitoring system, which may not adequately detect and alert drivers who are not paying attention while using the autopilot feature, which they should be doing. This could potentially lead to an increased risk of accidents. In response to the recall hours later, Tesla started rolling out an over-the-air software update 2023.44.30 to improve the visibility of driver monitoring alerts and enhance the driver attention requirements when using auto steer and approaching traffic lights and stop signs off the highway. The update also introduces a suspension policy that will restrict auto steer for one week if improper usage is detected. So NHTSA said Wednesday, automated technology holds great promise for improving safety, but only when it's deployed responsibly. Today's action is an example of improving automated systems by prioritizing safety. Okay, so how does this Tesla over-the-air update address NHTSA's safety concerns? So Tesla's release notes say, in accordance with the recent recall, Tesla's making the following improvements to auto steer. So they're going to improve the visibility of driver monitoring warning alerts on the touchscreen by increasing the text size and moving the notifications to a more prominent position. This will be for the Model 3 and the Model Y only. Added option to activate autopilot features with a single stock depression instead of two to simplify activation and disengagement. Increase the strictness of driver attentiveness requirements when using auto steer and approaching traffic lights and stop signs off the highway. Introduced a suspension policy that will restrict auto steer usage for one week if improper usage is detected. Improper usage is when you or another driver of your vehicle receive five forced autopilot disengagements. So the cabin camera above your rearview mirror can now determine driver inattentiveness and provide you with audible alerts to remind you to keep your eyes on the road when autopilot is engaged. Camera images do not leave the vehicle itself, which means the system cannot save or transmit information unless you enable data sharing. And it's interesting to note that all Teslas sold from December 7th of this year onward already had 2023.44.30 installed. So obviously Tesla had this update ready to go and was just waiting for the official NHTSA filing. Yeah, I mean, Tesla was able to jujitsu this story from, oh my God, two million Teslas are recalled to ho-hum. Another over-the-air software update from Tesla. But that didn't stop every news organization on Earth going Two like, million recalls! Two million! They've been recalled due to a safety problem! Oh my God! Um, and it's just, that's so freaking annoying because, you know, me and everyone that I know, we all got spammed with all these- We have to these, drive down to the hey, Tesla dealership. Hey, I just heard! Your car might be impacted! Ah! It's nothing! This is a nothing story. It's the biggest nothing burger ever. They love to do this. They pull this out like every six months mm -hmm. and it's a just like clockwork. It's just like, you know what? We uh, Would you change this? We don't like the way that this works. Look, it's I not based off of any data. I, Not based off of any data, just because we don't like you. I wish NHTSA would spend more time and energy on trying to solve texting and driving and less time on Teslas that use a driver assist feature. If the drivers are not going to use the assist feature properly, why do they constantly attack Tesla? And we know why. It's interesting to note, though, that over in Europe, the RDW in Netherlands, which uh, is in charge of cars there, said that this is a nothing burger and there was no reason to do any kind of recall because there's no reason to do a recall. Mm -hmm. So the holiday season is here. And if you have any last minute shopping to do, we have you covered. Climate Exchange's eighth annual EV raffle tickets are still on sale and they make the perfect gift for a loved one or if you just want to treat yourself. 
When you buy a raffle ticket, you'll immediately receive it in an email and text message, meaning it won't get caught up in shipping delays. Whoever receives your gift could end up with the car of their dreams. The raffle's grand prize winner will have their pick of any EV on the market worth up to $112,835. Now that's the price of a fully loaded Tesla Model X Plaid. Plus, as a gift to you, Climate Exchange will pay all of the prize taxes so you don't have to. Along with the brand new EV, the winner will get an extra $5,000 in charging support to help pay for an install a home charger or to use on the road. But even if you don't win the grand prize, Climate Exchange's raffle has cash prizes for second through fifth place. So you're really giving five chances to win with each ticket you buy. Climate Exchange has been running this raffle for eight years and we're getting closer to their drawing date in February. They're only selling 5,000 tickets and they sell out every year. So don't miss out on your shot at your dream EV. The winner in their sixth raffle, by the way, heard about the contest from our channel. So you could be the next one of our viewers to win. Even if you don't buy the winning ticket, your purchase is still going towards a great cause. Climate Exchange is a nonprofit and they're working hard to help states transition to a zero emissions economy by passing climate policy. That's the whole reason they're running this raffle. They know that EVs play a key role in reducing carbon pollution, and the proceeds from this raffle help fund their important work. You can buy tickets at carbonraffle.org, and they can email them straight to whoever they're for. No gift wrap required. All right, I think we've all seen this by now, and if you haven't, you're probably living under a rock. This is astounding. Last Tuesday, Elon posted this latest video of Optimus Gen 2. So look how Optimus's head is now able to articulate with two degrees of movement. Yeah, degree of freedom one is up and down now, and degree of freedom two is side to side. It was fixed before, so the whole torso had to turn. And now there's this cool lighting around the faceplate. And there are new hands with uh, Tesla-designed actuators and sensors. And Tesla increased the walking speed by 30%. The feet have been improved to have foot force and torque sensing, and there are articulated toe sections and human foot geometry. Tesla has reduced the overall weight of Optimus by 10 kilograms or 22 pounds, and they've improved Optimus's balance and full body control. And back to the hands, Optimus's hands now have 11 degrees of movement and are now faster and have tactile sensing on all the fingers. You can see that on the right here, the fingers are also sensing as Optimus picks up this egg. So now it can manipulate delicate objects. And now it can really dance. And Elon elaborated, so much engineering has gone into the hands in a year, it will be able to thread a needle. And this is the Tesla team of over 100 people working on Optimus. And I just want to give them a round of applause. Yeah, this right. Is really exciting. Uh, um, yeah. So currently Optimus has 28 actuators, 12 just in the hands alone. Wow. And, you know, we talked a lot about what's going to happen to the labor workforce uh, in our video on this. Uh, so go check that out. Um, but, yeah, I am super stoked about the speed with which Optimus is coming. So Sawyer Merritt posted Elon Musk has reportedly accepted Italian President Giorgia Maloney's invitation for an event in Rome this weekend. That was last weekend. And Elon said yes. So why did Elon go to Rome? Was it to lock in his Zuckerberg fight date at the Coliseum? Um, he did post from the top of the Coliseum, so we got a nice view of Rome from that. So maybe nice. that's what he was doing. Uh, was it for a relaxing getaway weekend? Or was it to discuss the location of another Gigafactory? I mean, Tesla has been talking to a lot of world leaders recently, like the Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu of Israel, President Caitlin Novak of Hungary, Prime Minister Prayat Chanocha of Thailand, and President Emmanuel Macron of France. Well... Now we know why Elon went to Rome. It was to attend and speak at the four-day political event called Atreju, which was organized by President Maloney and her brother of Italy party. Elon spoke on Saturday morning. Italy is uh, an incredible country, incredible culture. I love, I love visiting. I love the Italian people. I think you guys are amazing. Like, <laughs> so, tell ya. But was Elon also in Italy to get the next best deal for Tesla in terms of incentives and tax breaks for the next Gigafactory? Yeah, where do you think the next Gigafactory will be located? We have a Patreon poll this week to see if our patrons can agree on a location. So we'll see that a bit later in the show. And yeah, I think it's really smart that uh, Elon is kind of cozying up to a lot of world leaders. He probably is talking about Gigafactory while he's there to see what kind of incentives he can get. And I bet you he's looking for countries that aren't going to push him to unionize. Mm. Hey, and if you like that Elon went to Italy and you like our show, hit the like button. It really helps us out. But speaking of Gigafactories, I'm sure that I'm not the only one who has been a bit underwhelmed by Giga Mexico so far? Yeah, I mean, after the amazingly fast construction timelines of Giga Shanghai, Giga Berlin, and Giga Texas, watching basically nothing happening at the Giga Mexico site has been disappointing. 
But now we could get some good news. Nuevo León State Economic Development Council approved $153 million in incentives last week for Tesla's latest Gigafactory. These incentives include the build-out of infrastructure like roads and water treatment. They also include a reduction in payroll tax of employees who earn less than $152,000. Ivan Rivas, state secretary of economy, said Tesla marks a before and after in the economic development of the state. For example, the Nevada Gigafactory generated an economic impact 28 times greater than the public investment, while in California, 120 jobs were created in the supply chain for every 100 Tesla jobs. In this way, in Nuevo León, there would be 12,000 new direct jobs related to Tesla, almost 15% of the jobs created each year in the state. Tesla's land permit for the construction of Giga Mexico in Santa Catarina was recently approved by the Federal Ministry of the Environment. Now, from what I've been reading, Tesla has all of its permits from the state of Nuevo León and has just been waiting for the federal permits. So this federal permit was a change of use permit. So Tesla's land was permitted for forestry. They needed it to be changed to manufacturing. Sound familiar? Remember in Giga Berlin? Mm. And by most accounts that I have found, it could now just be a matter of weeks before Tesla will start construction on the site. This is going to be really exciting to watch. Fingers crossed. We now turn our attention to Scandinavia, where the Swedish strike against Tesla is in its third month, and it's been spreading to other unions in other Nordic countries. In fact, Norway's governing Labour Party called for a meeting with Tesla to discuss the rules of the Norwegian labour market. Tesla's Norwegian service leader Axel Tangen said that Tesla follows all Norwegian laws, including those related to the labour market. But Norway's sovereign wealth fund, the world's biggest stock fund investor, told Reuters that Tesla should respect fundamental labor rights, including collective bargaining by labor unions. Now, will this mean that they won't invest in Tesla? I mean, I think that if they don't, that would open them up to lawsuits because yeah. I don't see how you could not invest wisely just to just to be a bully. Right. Tesla is now listing a job post for a government affairs specialist in Sweden to help address these challenges. That's going to be a funny interview process because they're in such a rush, I guess. So in conclusion, I think I'd make a good candidate for this position. Great, great, great. That sounds great. Uh, we'd like to hire you immediately. So would you be able to start right away, like right now? Uh, but I want to touch back on the collective bargaining agreements. Even though in Sweden, collective bargaining agreements, which are essentially a standard contract between employers and unions, are common, they are not compulsory for companies. Tesla has refused to sign a collective bargaining agreement, saying that their employee pay and treatment of workers are on par with, if not better than, those in the standard union contract. Tesla Club Sweden just conducted a count of how many Tesla mechanics actually supported IF Metal strike. That number? 13 workers. Hmm. Okay. And how many mechanics does Tesla have in Sweden? 130. So if these numbers are correct, then it shows that this is not being driven by Tesla's workers or the labor. It's being driven by something else. Yeah, it's definitely not being driven by workers. Uh, look, Swedish Transport Workers Union now says they won't be picking up Tesla's garbage at service centers and showrooms. And obviously, this is now becoming extortion. Oh, you want your license plates? You want your trash taken out? Oh, uh, what you gonna do about that? All right, it's time for the Cybertruck Roundup. Yeehaw! The Cybertruck Roundup. Elon Musk tweeted Cybertruck in Wyoming winter. There's one in Wyoming. Why is there not one in my driveway? <laughs> On one of Joe Tegmeyer's latest videos, there was a lot of new Cybertruck spotted. You know what? When I was in grade school, my English teachers really tried to get me to stop using the term a lot and instead say many or a bunch of, you know, because a lot is like considered informal language. No, I mean, it's a lot of Cybertrucks, like a parking lot. Check this out. So these are in the outbound lot. In a lot, there's a lot of Cybertrucks and they're ready for shipping. And you can see in the southeast side of the Giga Texas, it's like 20 Cybertrucks that just drove out of the factory. Why is one of them being picked up by a forklift? It looks like this one is a reject and is being hauled out of there. I don't know. So that's over 50 Cybertrucks spotted in this video filmed last Friday. Mm -hmm. And not one in my driveway. Look, so we're hearing about all these Cybertrucks deliveries. And by the way, we've been getting a lot of direct messages from people we know and trust around the country who are getting notified by Tesla now through their Tesla accounts that they can now confirm delivery of their Cybertrucks. It's a little confusing to me, and I've been seeing this on X as well. A lot of people with day one reservations, like us, are not getting their Cybertruck delivery notifications, while other people, some further back in line, seem to be getting their deliveries first. And I don't want to be one of those guys who complains about this. I realize that there's a lot of this has to do with geography and where you're located compared to where Tesla is going to be shipping the Cybertrucks. But now that I've started to see people's actual reservation numbers on their official documents, 
I see that our reservation number is closer to the front of the line than theirs. And in a lot of cases, these people don't just live in California and Texas. So here's my plea. If anyone's listening at Tesla, Jesse and I reserved a Cybertruck not only on the first day, but in the first minute. Just to be sure, we also ordered one of the Foundation Series Cybertrucks during the Cybertruck after party. We did that during the live stream just because it was so confusing about whether our initial reservation actually mattered or not. And I know this has been confusing for a lot of people with the Cybertruck order page opening up and closing again. Uh, bottom line, we would love to get our Cybertruck and start showing it off to the world, getting butts in seats, answering questions, attaching a snowplow to it. So if anyone at Tesla can help us get our Cybertruck, we're happy to pick it up anywhere in the country. So Sawyer Merritt says there seems to be some confusion. If Tesla hasn't invited you to configure your Cybertruck, you won't have to pay the $1,000 deposit. Once Tesla does invite you to configure, that's when you'll pay it. They just want to know you're serious about following through with your order. Now that we've gotten to take a close-up look at the production Cybertruck, we know that it has this single giant 50-inch long windshield wiper blade. And many people were like, where do I get the replacement blade and how much does it cost? Well, now we know. According to the Tesla parts catalog, this is $75. Now, currently it's only available through Tesla service, but I wouldn't be surprised if another third party manufacturer starts to produce them soon. Can you imagine stocking them at the uh, auto parts store? They're like, <laughs> oh, where do I fit this? It's like 10 times longer than the other ones. And by the way, that's a fake photo. It is not for sale yet uh, outside of Tesla parts. Cybertruck also has its own X account now, and it posted last week this front crash test. And I believe this video was published to counter the idea that just because the Cybertruck has a smaller front end than other traditional pickup trucks, that it's still safer. And of course it is because it doesn't have a giant engine in the front, which is going to come through the firewall and kill you. Well, even if you compare it to the F-150 Lightning, which doesn't have an engine in the front, you can see that uh, at this 35 mile an hour front end crash test that uh, the Cybertruck does better. And the same thing with the side impact crash test. I mean, look how well the Cybertruck survives. Yeah, as Jason Camisa pointed out, you could replace the two doors and just keep driving it. And enthusiasts on the Cybertruck Owners Club found the Cybertruck's parts catalog. Ooh, look at all the parts. And the prices on some of these aren't that bad. So, of course, we talked about the windshield wiper being $75. If you break the windshield glass, it's only $1,900. Of course, insurance should be covering that. Uh, the side windows are between $200 and $260. And a new front fender is only $550. Nice. That's not as bad as I thought it would be. And the parts catalog gets us a nice peek inside the guts of the truck where we can spot this Easter egg, which looks like the outline of a Cybertruck with a hammer next to it. So mm. they... They actually put that into one of the pieces of the Cybertruck, which is kind of neat. Interesting. Um, now I see where we're going to attach the snowplow. Yes. I uh, I think it's going to be right there on that subframe piece, mm -hmm. which we saw at the factory. Mm -hmm. But now we get a detailed, uh, detailed little engineering view of it. Let's start firing up the welder. And thank you again to the Cybertruck Owners Club. They help sponsor the show, but they also help get us all this great news every week about Cybertruck. So if you're an owner or a soon-to-be owner, head on over there now. Also, they got the 3D configurator, so you can visualize the Cybertruck in any color, wrap, and logo. So over on our Now It's Review channel, we just reviewed Internet in a Bag. And guess what we have in the bag? I don't know. The Internet. What? And if you're wondering how you can fit the internet into a small bag, well, you'll have to watch our video. Yeah, it's called Nomad Internet, and it's a cool product and service that can be a good solution for many people who need high-speed internet. Speeds of up to 100 and 200 megabits per second, but aren't able to keep line of sight to the sky with a Starlink. We tested out the Nomad in some dead zones. And some good zones so that you can see how it works and to get an idea if it could be useful for you. And that's what I like about our Now Let's Review channel. We get to review all kinds of cool cutting edge products and really dive in deep and see how they work. We get to share all of that with you, whether it's e-bikes and e-scooters or composters or Bluetooth helmets or EV chargers. Also, here's a holiday hack. If you're looking for fun gift ideas, head on over to the Now Let's Review for all kinds of cool gift ideas. So it looks like Elon is looking for a new title, Headmaster Musk. Now, before I begin the lesson, will those of you who are playing in the match this afternoon, move your clothes down onto the lower peg immediately after lunch. Before you write your letter home, if you're not getting your hair cut, unless you've got a younger brother who's going out this weekend as the guest of another boy, in which case collect his note before lunch, put it in your letter after you've had your hair cut, and make sure he moves your clothes down onto the lower peg for you. Elon's gonna become a British headmaster? Not a British headmaster, a Texas headmaster. Well, son, since you haven't learned to respect your elders, it's time you learn to respect your betters. 
I'm totally confused. So according to this IRS tax filing, it looks like Elon is looking to start a nonprofit independent primary and secondary school called The Foundation in Austin, Texas, focused on teaching STEM subjects and other topics. The school expects initial enrollment to start at approximately 50 students with the goal of scaling its enrollment over time. The filing goes on to state that the school intends ultimately to expand its operations to create a university dedicated to education at the highest levels. The school expects the university curriculum to combine formal instruction by experienced faculty and subjects such as mathematics, science, engineering, and physics, alongside hands-on learning experience including simulations, case studies, fabrication design projects, and labs. The school does not want the inability to pay tuition or fees to be a barrier for its students. Thus, if the student is admitted to the school, tuition and financial support will be provided to the extent of available resources. And according to this form, it looks like Elon started off the school with quite the endowment. Does that say $100 million? Yep. So for those of you who haven't read Elon's favorite science fiction book series, The Foundation, which chronicles the story of a group of scientists who seek to preserve knowledge and civilization during the fall of the Galactic Empire and ultimately establish a new foundation for a second empire, this sounds similar in a lot of ways to what the book is about, kind of. Yeah, his private foundation is called the Musk Foundation, and now his school will be called the Foundation. So what is Elon trying to do here? I'm trying to soften the fall. Look, I mean, I would like to attend this. I mean, this sounds really great. Mm -hmm. um, so the 501c3, which is the nonprofit, was approved back in March. Elon put $2.2 billion worth of Tesla stock into the foundation last year for this. So that's just going to grow. Mm. Um, at now, you may remember that Elon founded Ad Astra, which was a school that he set up for his kids in California when they were younger. So he has experience with schools. Elon also donated $5 million to Khan Academy in 2021. So we knew this was coming. We've talked about it on our Investor Club bonus stories. Yeah, we knew that once Rivian got out of their contract to exclusively sell Amazon 100,000 of their EDVs or their Rivian electric delivery vans, that it was only a matter of time before a press release came out announcing a new deal. And I was surprised by which company it was. I was expecting UPS or FedEx or DHL. Yeah, RJ Scaringe, Rivian CEO, posted that AT&T has signed an agreement to purchase Rivian's van, now called the RCV, or Rivian Commercial Vehicle. So Rivian replaced the V for van with V for vehicle. What was wrong with van? And I live in a van down by the river. You know. Vans can be sketchy. I mean, I used to drive a van. I remember picking you up at preschool. Uh, you get looks and like some people cross the street. So I get it. RJ wants to maintain that Rivian image. As Rivian points out, about a quarter of CO2 emitted in the transportation sector in the U.S. comes from commercial vans. Now, I think it's important to point out that AT&T currently has a fleet of 71,000 vehicles. I was kind of astonished, which includes cars, vans and trucks. Vans are probably going to start. But then if AT&T... Vehicles, vehicles, sorry, vehicles, not vans, not just vans. But if AT&T likes it, uh, I assume they'll expand the project. But AT&T wants to be carbon neutral by 2035. So it definitely could grow if AT&T finds that Rivian's, uh, you know, vehicles fits their needs. So General Motors says that they'll be laying off 1,314 workers at two of their Michigan factories, including the Lake Orion assembly plant where the Chevy Bolt was made. You said was made? Yeah, GM stopped making the Bolt last Sunday, December 18th. But I thought that same factory was going to start making the Chevy Silverado EV and the, and the GMC Sierra EV. They were, but then GM pushed that back to 2025. You changed the whole story, Mary, wherever, wherever you are. There you are. You did, Mary. You electrified the entire automobile industry. I'm serious. So, I mean, that's it for the Chevy Bolt? But, I mean, the Bolt is GM's best-selling EV. No, no, no. GM is bringing the Bolt back, but it will be built on the new Ultium platform. So they have to build that whole factory system out, and that's going to cost GM $4 billion. $4 billion, which they'd rather not spend right now, so they're going to delay that a bit. So let me get this straight. GM is going to stop selling their best-selling EV, pretty much the only EV they sell for at least two years. At least two years. I mean, who knows when it'll really come back. But yeah, what's your point? My point is GM finally got an EV into the hands of consumers and started building a base of loyal customers. And now it's just going to yank that all away from them. Well, it's not like GM hasn't done this before. I mean, you remember the EV1? This is in GM's DNA. They're good at this. They hate EVs. They killed the EV1. They're killing the Bolt and they're killing Cruise, which, by the way, we cover this week on Disruptive Investing. So go check that out on our sister channel. Yeah, so I don't see why you're surprised. Wow. 
at least they don't have any agreements where they can take the bolts back and crush them all. We don't know that that's know. not true. Check your driveway, folks, <laughs> yeah, if you knock drive on, a bolt. Knock on wood. But, but... GM is introducing their third electric Cadillac this week, the 2026 Vestique. No, we already covered this a couple months ago, didn't we? Uh, no, no. That was the Celestique, the $340,000 EV that should be coming out at the end of next year. This is the Vestique, a three-row SUV that was designed for the modern family that should be coming out in 2026. Well, can you show me more pictures of the Vestique? Nope. GM only released two photos. That's probably because this is just a pre-launch, probably just so their Cadillac customers know that they should be putting their Vestique on the wish lists. So we don't know any numbers on this. No. We don't know the price. We don't know the range. They probably we don't, don't know, know anything about this car. They said, uh, well, we have, a, we have a CGI picture. We actually have two. Uh, do you want me to make some more pictures and, and video oh, for good. us? That's good. That's fine. <laughs> Tesla just announced that they have opened their online design studio in the fourth Middle East country for them, Qatar, selling the sexy lineup. Qatar? Is it, is it Qatar? Uh, I've heard it pronounced Quat- both ways. Qatar? Sorry, Qatar. No Cybertruck yet. Tesla will be opening a store and service location in Doha in Q1 of 2024. And customers in Qatar will also start taking deliveries in the first quarter of next year as well. So I hear that the first supercharger in Doha will be coming online in January as well, with a second coming in February. So prices are a bit inflated. For instance, the standard Model X is about $92,000 versus $79,900 in the United States. But I mean, it has to be shipped from Fremont. So fair enough. All right, it's time for more boring news. It was just revealed in Clark County property records that Open Dash, which is an affiliate of the Boring Company, bought a 1.4 acre plot of land in July near Chinatown in Las Vegas, where it plans to build a Vegas loop station. The $3.7 million purchase was made from HMV Group, a real estate development company. Maxwell Nuremberg, director of HMV, said about the purchase, we continue to make progress on our retail and mixed-use developments in Las Vegas, booming Chinatown Asian district that are directly adjacent to the site that we sold to the Boring Company. It made perfect sense to collaborate with them since the Vegas Loop Station will eventually bring customers and residents to the doorstep of our Spring Mountain Vegas Loop Retail Development and Valley View Vegas Loop Retail Development projects. Both are expected to be in construction in late 2024. So the Boring Company currently has built the Las Vegas Convention Center Loop System, 1.7 miles with three stations that connects the West Campus to the main campus of the Convention Center. And they now have expanded that tunnel to Resorts World. The Boring Company has also completed the Westgate 2 Tunnel. So the loop expansion will be 68 miles of subsurface loop with 93 stations that would serve the famous Las Vegas Strip of casino hotels and connect to Las Vegas downtown area and then the Harry Reid International Airport. This 68 mile, 93 station plan has been approved by the county and the city's planning commissions. The system would use Tesla vehicles to transport up to 57,000 passengers per hour. No taxpayer money will be used for the construction of the tunnels. So the projected cost to travel, let's say 7.7 miles from downtown to the airport will be $12. Yeah, everything green on this map has been approved. This recent news shows that the Boring Company's plans are proceeding. So mark my words, this is going to be a big deal, even though it is boring. And, I mean, you heard that real estate developer, they are very excited to have this station um, basically dropping off customers at their doorstep. Exactly. And I think if you're seeing third parties actually spending money now to do stuff and with actual deadlines and plans, then that means things are really happening. It's probably happening underground, so you're not seeing a lot of it. But this is kind of crazy because you have this private, public transportation system. Yeah, I mean, it's becoming more and more common to do it that way because Mm. governments just really are not that good at doing stuff. Hey, and if you want to share a clip that you've seen on the show, but you don't want to share the entire one hour long episode, go to our Now You Know Clips channel on YouTube or to our X channel where you can find a lot of these stories in bite-sized shareable clips. Well, we're losing another EV out there, people. I'd like to hold a moment of silence for the Honda E. Wait, wait, what happened? Well, Honda has decided to cancel sales of the Honda E. Was it not selling well? Honda had planned on selling 10,000 Honda E's a year when they started production back in 2020. However, in the years since then, I think they've just barely hit 10,000 units total. Uh, So they had 4,000 sales in 2020, uh, 3,750 in 2021, and an estimated 2,000 in 2022. um, Basically hardly any this year. Why did it sell so poorly? I mean, it was kind of cute. Well, it had a range of less than 140 miles and a price of more than 36,000. Oh. 
Yikes. So people bought a Model 3 instead. I think so. And I hope that Honda's learned their lesson. The lesson that you can't sell a compliance car in great numbers. Now they only have about 14 other hard lessons to learn before they can catch up with Tesla. Good luck, Honda. But this means that Honda currently has no EVs to sell. Hopefully the prologue will come out soon in 2024, but I'm not holding my breath. Next up is Ellie in space with our space update. Hey, Zach and Jesse, the highly anticipated Falcon Heavy launch of a military space plane will unfortunately be delayed until after Christmas. This will be the seventh launch of the X-37B, which is a secretive military space plane. And this time it's going into a much higher orbit than usual, which is why they're using the Falcon Heavy rocket. But unfortunately it was scrubbed four times in a row. So hopefully it actually goes on December 28th. And coincidentally enough, China launched its own version of a military space plane just a few days ago. Their space plane is much similar to ours, just a little bit smaller, and this is their third mission for their space plane. Keep in mind, our US Space Force chief says the timing of the Chinese space plane launch is no coincidence and that the US and Chinese space planes are two of the most watched objects in orbit. And we are almost to 2024, which is very hard to believe, but you can expect an incredibly busy year for the Starship program. The past few days have included the rollout of Ship 28, and on Saturday, Lab Padre captured this video of Ship 28 undergoing a spin prime test. So what is a spin prime test? Well, it's also referred to as a chill and spin and involves spinning up the turbo pumps on an engine. This test allows SpaceX to gather a ton of data without igniting anything, but you know what that means. Next up will be a static fire test. So while SpaceX intended to launch Starship for the third time in December, it's looking more likely that it'll slip to Q1 of 2024. But I wanna know what your predictions are for when we will see the third test flight of Starship. Thank you so much, Zach and Jesse, for letting me be on your show. I hope you're having a great holiday season. And come check out my channel, Ellie in Space, for more SpaceX news. Thanks, Ellie. We hope you're having a space-tastic holiday season, too. All right, it's time for Into the Future, sponsored by our friends at Henson Shaving. This is probably your last chance before Christmas to pick up a wonderful holiday gift. And if you use our code now, you know, at checkout, you can get 100 free blades. So if you're giving this to a friend, you're giving them almost two years of free shaving. So Elon reposted Tesla Manufacturing's post of our hairpin stator line performs 50,000 operations every day to produce the drive unit for Model Y, turning electricity into motion. I didn't know that Tesla made hairpins. Uh, <laughs> I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. It's a piece for the motor. <laughs> Remember last week, Tesla Manufacturing posted uh, about their two new drones at Giga Berlin. So this week, we get to see the new hairpin stator line at Giga Berlin. The hairpin stator is a new and improved design for the electric motor in Tesla's Model Y. This innovative design offers several benefits over traditional stators, including high power density, improved efficiency, and easier manufacturing. The hairpin stator is made from flat, rectangular copper wire that is bent into a hairpin shape and then inserted into the motor stator. This design allows for a more efficient use of space and a higher fill factor, which means more copper can be packed into the motor, increasing its power density. In addition to its improved performance, the hairpin stator is also easier to manufacture as it requires fewer steps in the winding process. This makes it more cost-effective and reduces the potential for defects. We'd like to thank Joa for sponsoring this episode of Tesla Time News. Joa is the world's leading provider of Tesla accessories. Their team has over 15 years of experience at engineering unique products for autos, charging, and lifestyle. So you should really check out Joa for all those things that you didn't even know you needed for your Tesla. Today, I want to tell you about their wireless game controller for the Model 3 and Model Y. So we've been playing way more games now together at Superchargers with our new Joa wireless game controllers. I got to say, I'm always skeptical with easy to pair wireless products, but these were super easy to pair. Yeah, there's so much to like about these game controllers. First, look at the design. You can choose between a wood design, which perfectly matches my Model 3, or the carbon fiber black, which looks really cool too. And they're small enough to fit into my center console so I can pop them out at the supercharger for a quick game. And they really are well built with powerful dual motor vibration, built-in six axis gyro sensors, and auto burst functions. They have 600 milliamp hour rechargeable batteries and support USB-C charging and playing at the same time. 
And don't forget, Model S and X owners, you have access to Steam where you can play thousands of games. Joa's products are created for Tesla owners by Tesla owners. The Joa team wants to enhance your driving experience. You can check out all of Joa's products at joalife.com. Oh, and a quick tip. If you're getting more than one game controller, pick up Joa's Tesla four port USB dash cam hub for the Model 3 and Y to turn one of your USB ports into four. And for a limited time, use our code for 5% off your order. All right, it's time for going green. How'd you like to go electric snowboarding this winter season? Introducing the Crusher Ripple Electric Snowboard. For all you snowboarders out there who like going down the mountain but hate going up. Well, now you're going to love going up because the Crusher Ripple has an electric motor. That's right. This 156 centimeter board has a 3000 watt motor with a 12.6 amp hour 2170 cell battery for a max speed of 50 kilometers an hour and a range of 15 to 20 kilometers. It weighs just 15 kilograms and it can handle a max rider load of 250 pounds. You know, we built something like this. Yes. It was a little less powerful. It had a thousand watt motor. Um, but I mean, we were on the right track. Kind of. Yes. <laughs> we also made our tank tread out of a uh, grocery conveyor belt. It's so. actually the, that part was great. Uh, it was just a little underpowered is all. It was underpowered and it didn't have the best grip. So it was good for doing. It was good for drifting. But I it see. wasn't very good for. We sustained. needed slightly bigger fins. Yeah. What I want to know about this ripple is I understand the whole moving with the motor part. But like when you want to actually just go downhill, does the can you get the motor out of the way? Not without a wrench, it looks like. Also, doesn't it look like it kicks snow up at you while you're riding? It's a little pricey. Uh, so it's $3,300. Yeah. And I just feel like for what you're getting, I don't know. You get to go up the mountain. But you have to wear, it looks like the battery is not on the board. It looks like it has to be in a backpack. So you, you got to like wear that. I wonder how heavy that is. Hmm. On a backpack, it's probably not too bad. Anyway, what do you guys think? Let us know down below. Is this something you'd want to see in your stocking? All right, it's time for sunspots. So some interesting numbers out from the research and consultancy firm Wood McKenzie regarding solar and batteries in their latest report titled, Which Installers and Battery Vendors Top the U.S. Distributed Solar Plus Storage Leaderboard? So 11% of U.S. homes with solar panels now include a battery storage system. That's way higher than I thought it would be. I mean, how many U.S. homes had solar installed in the past 12 months? Um, well, according to data from Bloomberg NEF from November of 2022 through October of this year, so the past 12 months, there were over 157,000 solar panel permits pulled in the U.S. And these were the leading companies that pulled them. As you can see, Sunrun is by far the leader with Tesla in fourth place. Hmm. But when it comes to solar plus batteries, it's a different story. Take a look at this chart from Wood McKenzie showing battery manufacturer market share data by installation from 2018 through 2023. Dark purple at the top there is Tesla. So you can see they have a whopping 50% market share in 2023. You can also see that Enphase has been growing with its IQ battery system and LG, which had been kind of the leader, is shrinking with its Rezu line. Um, so that was big in the market back in 2018, but has steadily been declining as Powerwall has been improving and dropping in price. Tesla, by the way, deployed four gigawatt hours of energy storage in Q3 of this year, a 90% year-over-year increase in deployments. In Q2 of this year, Tesla Energy generated $1.3 in revenue and contributed 6% of Tesla's total profit. Wow. And this other Tesla news here about Tesla Powerwall launching in Taiwan and Portugal. I think it's amazing that for many companies, this next story here would be the story. But for Tesla, it's almost a throwaway story. It's like, oh, yeah, by the way, we're in Portugal and Taiwan. I mean, whatever. <laughs> Too large markets of plenty of sun and whatever whatever who cares and if you'd like to become your own solar energy provider including batteries talk to our friends at energy pal they are the experts that can help you go solar and battery for less the link is down below tell them that zach and jesse sent you all right it's time for video contributor stories and remember we need your stories send them to us at hello at now you know channel.com make sure they're two minutes or less shoot them in landscape with good audio and no music what do we got this week gary sent us this story about his experience transferring full self-driving from a long-range dual motor 2018 model 3 to a 2023 performance model 3 you know, I, I love my uh, 2018 long-range dual-motor Model 3, and I figured I'd probably keep it for 10 years or longer. Her name was Nikki, and she only had 32,000 miles on the odometer when Tesla announced that for a limited time, FSD owners can transfer the software to a new vehicle at no cost. In 2018, I wanted to buy a Performance Model 3, but couldn't justify the extra $10,000. Now, there was that 2023 performance model, which after the Tesla price reductions earlier this year, 
plus the price incentives for inventory vehicles was actually priced less than the car I bought in 2018. I requested a trade-in quote on the Tesla website, but it was not competitive with the commercial used car traders. I had a very good quote from Carvana, but they were outbid by an exotic car dealer in Wisconsin. So I agreed to that offer and they arranged to have the car picked up and transported. It was a bittersweet moment watching her leave. Meanwhile, I had found a 2023 Performance Model 3 in inventory at the Mount Kisco, New York showroom. I was an early participant in the transfer program, and after some back and forth with different Tesla advisors, the transfer was confirmed. There were some extreme conditions in the transfer procedure, such as the transfer was not reversible once authorized, and the purchase must have been completed by September 30th. I was way ahead of the deadline, and the car was in inventory, so I felt that the risk of forfeiting FSD was quite low. As we all know, Tesla innovation and product development never ends, so there were quite a number of changes between my 2018 and the new 2023. I gave up chrome trim, resistive heating, silver bottle, ultrasonic sensors, orange tint on the roof glass, and obsidian black metallic paint, but gained slightly longer range, the performance package, heat pump, octo valve, heated steering wheel, AMD Ryzen powered infotainment computer, a lithium ion 12 volt battery, double layered front and side window glass, powered rear trunk lid, and many other small changes. I'm once again under the factory warranty and I would be keeping FSD hardware version 3. So was it worth it? I think it was, but it might depend on your point of view. There are a few additional considerations though. The 20 inch performance tires are not suited for cold weather, so I bought a used set of winter tires on performance rims from another owner in my local Tesla owner's club. Insurance rates may be higher. And then there's the feeling of acceleration from zero to 60 in 3.1 seconds. Need I say more? Gary, that was great. Thank that you so much. That answered so many questions about yeah. how that works. It doesn't sound like it's seamless. No. It sounds like there's a lot of phone calls involved for such an online company. Good for doing that, Gary. All right, it's time for our Patreon bonus stories. Remember that if you're one of our patrons for just as little as a buck a month, you can go over to Patreon and watch all of our Patreon bonus stories every week. And we've got so many of them, so much cool stuff there. Um, and then we've got even more stuff. If you want to go over to Disruptive Investing, we've got a story this week there. And if you're part of our investor club, you get to watch our bonus stories every week there as well. So head on over to patreon.com slash now you know and support us for as little as a buck a month and get to watch all all that great content. All right, we're back from our Patreon bonus stories. It's time for the Patreon poll. Where do you think the next Gigafactory will be located? Thailand. Thailand. Wow. <laughs> and then, of course, India. A lot mm. of people think India. I, I think it will be India eventually, but I, I feel like it's, it's still going to be a while. It, I, all the stories that I've been reading about India and Tesla, they just don't give me any confidence that even the stories are correct. All right, it's time for Elon's X's of the week. And father Chris Mars said to celebrate the 30th birthday of Doom. Here's a thread of everything that I've found that Doom can run on. Some are real, some maybe not. It's up to you to figure out which. And the first one is Doom playing on an ultrasound scanner. And Elon said, I had pretty much that exact setup back in the day, except I put together the PC myself and overclocked the motherboard. So it looked kind of patchy and didn't have IBM branding. Elon then tweeted out, if civilization fails, nothing else matters. 4 and 4 Lysis says, Elon, it's important to check the quality of the overall education. Elon says, SpaceX and Tesla have noticed a meaningful degradation in the capability of U.S. college graduates over the past several years. Ooh, and they would know. They would know because they hire a heck of a lot of them. Elon said, just read the raw data in the Matrix so much better than the synopsis. And he said, the laws of thermodynamics are one, you can't win, two, you can't break even, and three, you can't get out of the game. Patrick Collision says 2022 PISA data is out and the picture isn't pretty. These were the lowest U.S. math scores recorded in the history of the PISA math test, which began in 2003. Elon says this does not bode well for the future. Austin says 9.7% of adult Americans are millionaires. 39.1% of all millionaires live in the United States. Elon said 39%. Wow. 
Mike Ben says important development on how the Biden executive branch is targeting Elon Musk properties from every angle. This time, the FCC revoking a nearly billion dollar grant from 2020 to Starlink, creating a brand new impossible standard that only applies to Starlink. Elon says doesn't make sense. Starlink is the only company actually solving rural broadband at scale. They should arguably dissolve the program and return funds to taxpayers, but definitely not send it to those who aren't getting the job done. What actually happened is that the companies that lobbied for this massive earmark, not us, thought they would win, but in Instead, we're outperformed by Starlink, so now they're changing the rules to prevent SpaceX from competing. Pathetic. X News Daily says news. Disney has reportedly increased its spending on Instagram ads by 40% since the company boycotted X last month. This comes despite reports also in the last month finding that Instagram Reels has shown Disney ads next to videos sexualizing minors. Elon says double standards, Disney. And he went on to say, and advertising more on Insta won't make up for their failure to engage on X. Opinions are formed here, not on Insta, which is a banal online modeling agency. If that actually made any financial sense, they would have done it before now. Bob Iger has put his ego above the good of Disney for many years. This is just another case example. Farzad said, RIP Mickey Mouse. And Elon says, Optimouse versus Mickey MMA battle. Not the Beast says, Mark Zuckerberg is building a $100 million compound in Hawaii with a blast-resistant bunker. What does he know that we don't? And then Elon says after an apocalypse where money doesn't matter, his security team would keep working for him or make him the water boy. Then Elon tweeted out the uh, organic traffic. Blue is X and orange is Instagram. So X is beating out Instagram. Homar's catalog says Voyager 1 has stopped communicating with Earth. And Elon is sad. Me too. Dr. Know-it-all says something needs to be done about the FSD speed strike of going over 85 miles an hour. Elon said, okay. Zero Hedge says ex-FBI Intel chief who investigated Trump-Russia collusion gets four years in prison for colluding with Russia. Elon says, oh, the irony. Christopher Rufo says Dr. Carol Swain, who was plagiarized by Claudine Gay, is now calling for the Harvard president to resign. And Elon said, wow. Tucker Carlson says episode 51, it's becoming obvious that the U.S. government has made contact with non-human beings. So why are they lying to us about it? We asked UFO whistleblower Dave Grush. Elon says, I am confident they have not. Fastest way to increase the defense budget would be to show evidence of hostile aliens. And then Elon showing some pictures of him in Rome. There's him with little X. Alex says, everyone cried out loud when Tesla stopped using the ultrasonics, claiming parking will never work just with cameras, neural net and vision. But now they're suddenly all very quiet. I hope they learned a personal lesson that if you don't understand the technology, you better be careful with statements. Elon says, imagine if you could see in all directions simultaneously and never get distracted or tired. How much better could you drive? That's what Tesla Autopilot Vision AI is becoming. Then Elon tweeted out this meme. This is why aliens don't talk to us. John Ehrlichman posted this about the first flight in 1903 by the Wright brothers. And Elon said, only 66 years from first flight to landing on the moon, but now half a century has passed since the last moon landing. That cannot be our high watermark as a civilization. Humanity should have a moon base, cities on Mars, and be out there among the stars. And it's time for Community Mail Time. Community Mail Time. Remember, share your stories, your photos, and videos with us here at hello at nowyouknowchannel.com. David sent us this picture of his Bolt EUV parked next to a yellow Rivian R1S in Oklahoma City. Hans spotted this Midnight Cherry Model Y in Switzerland. Hans also saw this Model 3 Highland in Switzerland. Nigel spotted this electric Fiat 500e with a Tesla badge on the hood in Zurich, Switzerland. Carl spotted this EV Hummer and BMW i7 charging at the Electrify America stations in White Settlement, Texas. Al sent us this picture of a Cybertruck charging at the Monticello, Minnesota Supercharger. Raphael spotted this Nissan Aria in Antwerp, Belgium. Gary sent us this picture of his rental Model 3 at the Supercharger near Barrie, New South Wales, Australia. Chris spotted this very dirty Bright Drop EV van in Calgary, Alberta. Andy saw this Model Y police vehicle in Dorset, UK. Jason sent us this picture of him with the Cybertruck at the Miami Tesla showroom. Dave spotted this ultra red Model X in Maryland. Piero found this Polestar 2 at the Hertz in the Geneva airport in Italy. Soderus spotted this Model Y taxi in Athens, Greece. Ricky saw this Lucid Air in Brunswick, Georgia. And Danny sent us this picture of the Cybertruck and his son on the Cyberquad for kids at the showroom in Boston, Mass. Awesome. Nice. All right, it's time for EV tip of the week. And I was reading this article last week from a journalist who went on a trip and he rented an EV and then he went on this long rant about how hard it was to charge the EV. The funny thing was the article was anti-Tesla, but he never mentioned what EV he rented. It was only after he took to X and was posting excerpts from his article and people kept asking him, what EV did he rent? That it turned out 
It wasn't a Tesla. But during his trip, not only did he have a hard time finding high-speed EV chargers, which honestly isn't surprising, uh, but when he finally did plug in, he posted a picture of his state of charge of his battery, which was at 94%. And he complained the whole time that he had been charging for over an hour. Now, a lot of people commented back to him, why do you need to charge up to 94% if you're just driving around Chicago? And that's kind of my tip here. A lot of new EV drivers might think that you always have to get your battery up to 100%. For a lot of battery chemistries, that's not even a good idea because it reduces the longevity of your battery. But also, when you're on the road and time is of the essence, charging past about 80% is usually a waste of time. We've talked about this so much, especially in our early years on this channel, that I kind of forgot that there's so many new EV drivers out there, probably watching now, who may not know all the ins and outs of EV ownership. And that's why we try to do the segment EV Tips of the Week. What's so nice about a Tesla is that when you pull into a supercharger on your way to another destination, it'll tell you when to stop charging and go to your next destination. And I know for most of us who are transitioning from ICE cars, the idea has always been to keep your tank as full as possible, right? So there is this small learning curve here when it comes to batteries and charging. But essentially, as you try to push electrons into a battery that's getting closer to full, those electrons have a harder time finding a place to go. It's kind of like the parking garage analogy. When the parking garage is empty, it's easy to find a space. You pull right in. But as the parking garage gets full, you have to drive around for longer to find an empty space. And I know all of us have some level of range anxiety, especially when we're on a road trip or driving around places that we're unfamiliar with. It's nice to have extra range in your battery. I get it. I'm not advocating charging so little that you run out of juice. But I am saying for most driving, you don't need to charge past 80 or 90 percent. That extra 10% takes so much longer to get that unless time doesn't matter to you, it's better to just leave the EV charger when you've got enough range to keep going. The other benefit of this is that it frees up chargers for more EVs. And that's our EV tip of the week. So don't forget to send your EV tips to us at hello at nowyouknowchannel.com. Your tip may seem obvious, but don't forget there's so many new EV drivers out there that something that you figured out may be obvious to you, but not obvious to everyone else. All right, it's time for supercharger reviews. Hey, Zach and Jesse, it's Jennifer in Millen, Georgia at the eight stall supercharger. The only one here today. One thing nice about this one, you got some plenty of power potties, but they have a trash can and a recycle bin at this one. We're a 250 kilowatt charger. We're on the back side of a subway. Across the street is a huddle house. And there's a Popeye's and a McDonald's. Takes care of the necessities. However, it is lacking for grass for dogs and shade for us. I'd give it a six and a half out of 10. Now you know. Hey, Zach and Jesse, here we are in Webster, Texas. This is a 12 stall. Looks like it's a version run. uh, Because my Model 3 is only pulling about 50 kilowatts. And uh, it's a really busy supercharger here in Webster, Texas between Houston and Galveston, right off of NASA Road and Wild. And uh, uh, I give this maybe, here's an Academy Super Surplus. You can walk over to Rudy's Barbecue, which I did, and got some uh, Bluebell vanilla ice cream. So that's a plus. Anyway, in a good place, NASA Road and in Houston. And uh, that's the Webster, Texas uh, 12-stall supercharger. Six, maybe seven out of ten. Bye. Hello, Zach and Jesse. This is Alejandro reporting to you from the Level 3 Supercharger in Dr. Phillips Drive in Orlando, Florida. This uh, supercharger is located in an extremely busy shopping area, uh, surrounded by plenty of really great restaurants. Uh, It has 12 stalls, each capable of up to 250 kilowatts of supercharging. Right now, it's not extremely busy, but I imagine this area will get plenty of tourists. Uh, It's about half a mile away from I-4 and about uh, just a few blocks away from International Drive, the center of tourist Orlando. And I would give these an eight out of 10. Now you know. Thank you, Zach. Zach, thank you, Jesse. Well, hi, uh, Zach and Jesse. Today I'm at the Clement Friend uh, Supercharger which is a V3 supercharger of 16 stalls. And it's located at the Novotel uh, at Clement Ferrand. And uh, we've had a Tesla Owners Day uh, uh, 2022 with the French uh, uh, Tesla Owners Group. So uh, it's been a fantastic day at the Michelin uh, uh, facility and their test track. Wonderful food. And tonight we're at a gala dinner with a Michelin star chef. So uh, the French hospitality, as we expect, is absolutely superb. 
But anyway, more about the supercharger. Well, here it is, very, very well positioned. Um, it's uh, been a really hot day, 27 Celsius, and uh, so uh, well into the 80s Fahrenheit. And um, as you can see, it's pretty busy here. In fact, it was busier earlier, but uh, with 16 stalls, everything's uh, been uh, really good. A lot of uh, big selection of cars here as well. Anyway, here's our car, and uh, as you can see, a lot of cars have both the German and the uh, French critique air stickers. Indeed, uh, my car has the same thing. For driving in certain cities in France and in Germany, you need these stickers. They only cost a few euros, but they, um, they, they last for length of the car. And of course, the very special Tesla Owners Day, France 2022 at the Michelin Test Track. We've had a fantastic day and uh, we're really grateful for the um, uh, the people at Michelin and also the uh, uh, Tesla owners uh, France who uh, invited us from the UK. All the best, uh, Justin, over and out. A Michelin chef. Yeah. I can see why I got a 10 out of 10. Yeah. All right. Nice job, everybody. Thank you so much for doing Supercharger Reviews. If you want to check out our map of all the Supercharger Reviews that everyone has ever done, you can head over to our website, nowyouknowchannel.com. Um, you can also upload your own reviews there as well. So if you're going on a road trip, be sure to record some. And now, Jesse, we have three pages of new superchargers, so get yourself ready. All right. All right what do we got? Number 90 in Taiwan is the four stall at Kaohsiung, Taiwan. Number nine in Iceland is the eight stall in Alphabaki. Number 126 in the UK is the 12 stall in Luton. We got the 12 stall in Rochester, Washington. The eight stall in Wildau, Germany. We got the nine stall in Holbrook, New South Wales, Australia. The 12 stall in St. Louis, France. We got the eight stall in Ludiac, France. Number 45 in the Netherlands is the eight stall in Heerlen, Netherlands. We got the eight stall in Parndorf, Austria. The eight stall in Vernon, California. We got the eight stall in Oakville Spears Road, Ontario. The three stall in Oceana Heights, Hong Kong. We got number 26 in Tennessee, the 24 stall in Powell, Tennessee. The 16 stall in Livermore at Jack London Boulevard, California. Number five in Malaysia is the four stall in Cyberjaya. That's a cool name. It is a cool name. The 16 stall at Dunkirk, France. The 20 stall in Hell, Norway. That's a cool name, too. Nice. Number 56 in Washington is the 12 stall in Suquamish, Washington. Got the four stall 150 kilowatt in Beijing, China. Number 1,912 in China is the three stall in Guangzhou, China. Number 72 in Hong Kong is the three stall in the south side, Hong Kong. Number 33 in Austria is the four stall in Stum, Austria. Number 77 in Italy is the eight stall at Settimo Tornis, Italy. The eight stall in Highland at 4154 East Highland Ave, California. Number 189 in Germany is the 12 stall in München Nord, Germany. Number 126 in the UK is the 16 stall in Lifton, UK. Number 22 in Israel is the 8 stall in Netanyah, Israel. Number 19 in New Zealand is the 3 stall in Blenheim, New Zealand. Number 78 in Australia is the 7 stall in Rockhampton, Queensland. The 3 stall in Omori, Japan. The 12 stall in Laval, France. The 16 stall in Anglos, France. Number 170 in France is the 6 stall in Saint-Dizier, France. The four stall in Matsumu, Japan. Number 36 in Michigan is the eight stall in Marshall, Michigan. The 12 stall in Vernon, Texas. The 16 stall in San Antonio, Texas. Number 76 in Pennsylvania. 76 in Pennsylvania <laughs> is the 16 stall in Quakertown, Pennsylvania. Number 145 in Texas is the eight stall in Dripping Springs, Texas. Number 416 in California is the 12 stall in Dixon, California. Number 120 in Norway. Number 1120 in Europe is the nine stall in Bitostolen, Norway. Number 42 in Ohio and 2093 in the United States is the 16 stall in Loveland, Ohio. And number 100 in Japan, number 5880 in the world is the three stall in kawasaki japan Woo! three pages of superchargers is always <laughs> awesome uh so next week's tesla time news falls right on christmas so we're planning a special episode with a lot of the fan favorite stories from this past year and i do want to thank magic mind again uh don't forget to check out magic mind you can find the link in the description below and i want to thank you guys uh for you that are watching you are why we do what we do you make a difference. It may not seem like it in this crazy world that we live in, but you do. Yeah, thank you to all of our patrons. You see many of them here in our end credits every week. If you want to join them and support the work we do, bringing you independent news, then please head over to Patreon. It's patreon.com slash now you know. Join us for as little as a buck a month. Yeah, just a buck a month gets you all of the Patreon bonus stories every week. And there's so much more. So keep independent journalism alive. We'll see you next week. Now, now you know. know.